0: Okay, Booker Toe. Um, so, let's see. Today's dot is Gimmo. We pick up on Betterment Bet. Um, where, where, where are we? Rem- tell me, Dova sent me the information. I've got it about
1: 1250 lines from the bottom. The beginning of the line is.
0: Okay, Amar Rabba, Thank you. In the end, this is Great. Okay, so better with that, um, Amar Rava, about twelve, about fourteen lines from the bottom. Thank you. Um, and um, so, so let me just say a few brief words about the mesekhet because I didn't have a chance to introduce it yesterday.
1: Um,
0: yeah. Later on in the Meseches, there'll be things not related to Megillah, a lot of interesting things about Beit Knesset and about Tifilah and Torah. Um But in terms of the Megillah issues... You know, one of the things that I just want to point out right at the beginning that's in a really important theme um, that we're going to see today but that I think is central to this Mesechet, which also relates to Hanukkah, but Chanukah doesn't have a Mesechet devoted to it, you know, is the authority of instituting a rabbinic holiday. Where does that come from, creating a new holiday in the calendar? Um, and that's something that gets subtly or not so subtly addressed in this Mesechet together with the fact of the of the adding of a stafer to Tanakh. Um, particularly a sefer that doesn't even mention God's name, um, depending on when you think that Esther was written, uh, was it written after the Binyan Habayas Shani began or before, it might have been the last sefer because Chagai Zechariah Malachi were right at the beginning of or at you know end of the Gauls beginning of the Bayis Asheni. But even if it wasn't the last sefer, it was next to the last sefer, one of the next one of the last Tzvarim, and uh, doesn't even have God's name, and you know, and then it becomes one of the sefer Tanakh, um, and you know that's alluded to in the uh, midrash where Esther says uh, Esther says to the Chachamim, you know, write me for generations. And the Gemara has a discussion about whether Esther was, um, you know, was, was or not whether it was given to be written or not, which might mean we'll discuss whether it was included in the Sifrei Tanakh. So you have these sort of interesting, and all the attempts to try to justify Esther Minatar Minayan, Mordechai Minatar Minayan. So you have these whole major questions about the adding of Esther to the Sifrei Tanakh and the adding of a new holiday. And in that one line that I just mentioned here where Esther says, Keith Vuni Lizo wrote to the rabbis, um, it's also sort of the question about indicating that the ultimate authority rests in the hands of the Rabbis, like right? So rabbis are going to decide whether Esther is one of the Sifrei Tanakh. Um, why do we keep the Migilah, Why do we keep? Pu- I mean, why do we keep Purim? You already got in the very first Amud of the Gemara an interesting um, um, ambivalence about this. Not ambivalence, it's the wrong word, but like sort of multivocal response to this, where the Gemara says, you know. Uh, where does this come from that you have all these different days? And, um, the Gemara says like this. The Gemara says, let's take a look. Um, uh, I mean, right at the beginning of the Gemara, Kulu Ante All this was established by the Ante Knesset Hagdola. Where was it hinted to in the Pasuk? And then we show where it was hinted to in the Pazuk. So are we, keeping the, are we keeping Purim because of the authority of the Megillah and because it's in the Psukim? Or are we keeping it because ultimately the rabbis look at the Psukim and the Anche Knesset Sagdola, it was hinted in the Psukim, but the Anche knesses Agdoa ultimately its rabbinic authority which determines why we are keeping the Migilah. So those, I think, are some of the really central themes that are going on here. Where is the authority of this being one of the Seferi Tanakhs? Where is the authority of us keeping Purim? How much is that because of this as a safer Tanakh? And how much is that because of, ultimately, Ante Knesset HaKdola, the Rabbanan, Kitvuni lizorot wrote, that it's the rabbis, ultimately, who are the arbitrators of why this becomes a day for Tanakh, why this becomes a holiday. So, right already in the beginning, you had some of that, and that's really a theme that's going to continue today and going to continue for, you know, for a good part of the Mosechet, something to really look out for. I'll say one other interesting thing about this, about the sort of sugya we're in the middle of, which is the idea of Yadimel, Yedbet, you know, it seems very, very bizarre, um, this idea that you can have, like, multiple days to do a holiday. And you're not really doing the holiday, you're doing the Mitzvah of Megillah, but still the option of multiple days. But we should note that what's, you know, that that's just expanding on something that's bizarre to begin with, which is a holiday that's celebrated at two separate times. Right, And we're not just talking about a second day of yonta for yon, yonta sheni, you know? We're talking about, re- uh, fundamentally, some people celebrated on the 14th and some people celebrated on the 15th. And this idea is, where else do you ever have this? One of the whole ideas of a central calendar, right, is it unifies everybody in the observance of the holidays. And that's sort of what creates the whole sense of your, you know, your religious community. You observe the holidays on the same time. So that itself we should note how how um um, you know, um, unique, how, how truly unique that is, and therefore the idea that then, well, once we're given some money then money harve then we can sort of even have a little bit more latitude. Okay, it seems you know, but it, it's a little excessive but that just, I think, highlights the fact that already, the fact that there are two different days for different uh, cities is um, never, you know, nowhere else in the sort of, in the, uh, 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 in the uh, liturgical calendar, in the um, religious calendar, yes. The idea of
1: local holidays or free days
0: Oh, you mean like this a Purim Pattan or whatever? Yeah,
1: this is like a local holiday. There's a holiday for family. Yeah,
0: that's true. So but, that's right, yeah, but that's not like national. You know, that's very private or local. Sure. Right, uh, right a, a city. Right, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, so it might be a little, little bit of, uh, yeah, so you have elements of that. But that has the very nature of local holidays. Yes.
1: Regarding the last thing we've written, it looks, from the text, although it can't really be proven, right. That paper espernachemia describes the last events that are described in Tanakh.
0: Yes, well that's our question. The Gemara basically assumes that Esther was written between Bias Rishon and Bias Cheney. Um, scholars, um, and Ramban disagree. They say it was written at the beginning of the Binyan Bias Cheney. So that, we'll get to that. But the Gemara's general rule assumes it was written in before the events of Esther and yeah, That is yeah. true. That is true. Okay. Um, so, um, so let's go, co- let's, um Let's continue here and see and and see and see oh, where we are.
1: Take a question from yesterday.
0: We, uh, I'd rather not because okay. we're limited time. I know Joe okay. told me you left us a question, but I don't okay. want to deal with that one right now. Okay, okay so the most sounds like this uh, and the last thing we left off was the question about um, whether you go from Yemosh Yoshua binun, which seems bizarre, and I'll say something about that, or whether you go from Mukaf Chomah from Yemei Um So let's take a look. Um, um, I should say one thing about the issue of Prazim as opposed to Krach. Um, you know, the Gemara here based on the Psukim in in Bamidbar, um, Levad Ma'od, you know, Iri Mukof m some assumes, you know, Prazi is unwalled and, and um, as opposed to Krach as opposed to what it designates as Krachim, which are walled cities. Um, I think the JPS translation you can check it it's right there has when it says al ha ha ba prazot says the Jews in the um, in the uh, something like in the, you know in the outlying cities outlying. that the, you know and it's Prazi is in contrast to Shushan Habira, the non-capital city so therefore, if you read the puzzle that way, all it's saying is like anybody not in Shushan keeps the fourteenth day. Shushan maybe keeps, and the gemaras seems to have a strange Havamina Maybe the fourteenth and the fifteenth, but the fourteenth and the fifteenth isn't such a strange Havamina because Shushan, right? You know, and, you know they well. Okay, they, 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 the first major victory that they could have celebrated was the fourteenth, you know. But then they continued fighting on the fourteenth. But at least the fourteenth, you know, had you know was, was also significant even for Shushan. But even if it's only the 15th Fifteenth. Right? it's possible that a Pshat reading of the Psukim is that everywhere else does the 14th and Shushan maybe does the 15th although again, as you saw yesterday the, 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 the Megillah never mentions what are the non prazim do, says the prazim do on the 14th and it talks about the 14th and the 15th and that's that whole ambiguity that the Gemara tries to figure out, because it never explicitly says what the non-Prasim do but nevertheless, it's possible that a Pshat reading of the Psukim is non-Shushan versus Shushan, but the Gemara reads it walled versus non-walled, one of approach is Ahashverosh, which at least somehow makes sense, sort of similar to Shushan, and this other approach of Yoshua Binun, which doesn't seem to make any sense, um, which I'll say something about in a little bit, but let's start reading the Gemara. Okay, so the Gemara says like this, um, El I'll start one line before that The Avzi Kemar, Look for If you go from the time of Yoshua Binun What's Shushan doing like? It's not, right, it's, it's, uh, it's doing the 15th But it's not the Halakha of the 15th It should follow the 14th Because the Gemara assumes that it was not Mukaf most Yoshua Binun How the Gemara knows that, I don't know But maybe unless you know otherwise That's what you have to assume Amar Rava says Rava, Vamilei Kadi And some say Kadi, which might mean nobody Meaning anonymously um, it could be the name of a of, uh, of a sage Now, since the whole miracle is in Shushan you know, that's sort of like the paradigm that uh, becomes, that is the 15th even though everything else that's sort of based on it and the rule that we develop actually Shushan falls outside of the rule Okay, now again, it's so strange why that rule but let, let's read a little bit more and then I'll get back to that so if you say that it goes by Yemos Binun, I understand why it says that it's observed, this, these days are observed every Medina Medina, and every Ir ear. So why, why does it not just say Medina Va'ir? So it sounds like even within a Medina, which presumably means like a walled city, there's distinctions, and between ears there are distinctions. So let's take a look. Medina and Medina, So Medina Medina tells you that there are walled cities and walled cities some that read on the 15th some that read on the 14th depends when your war was does it go back to the time of Bin Binun or only from the time of Ahasuerus and according to our Mishnah it would only go from the time of Bin Binun um, only those walled cities ear of the ear an ear which is not a walled city so not all ears are the same why are not all ears the same once we've already introduced the distinction of most Yosho Binun there's another distinction to be made Shushan because some things even that fall into the ear category i.e. Shushan don't have the halach of an ear even though Shushan is not walled from the time of Yosho Binun it still reads on the 15th as an exception as opposed to the others which continued, which read on the so that works there are two distinctions that need to be made the rule of Yoshua ben Nunanat and then Shushan as the exception Elole Rebbe Yahshua ben Karcha Yahshua ben Karcha that says you go from the time of Ahashverosh been Shushan so you need Medina to tell you the basic rule of walled cities from the time of Ahashverosh but then there's no other exceptions to be made that's the whole rule Elole year by year Lamai also why do you need to distinguish year of year you've got your whole rule Amu Khabdu Shubn Karkas ifhark would say back, Well Tani Didamini, according to our Tamad, is it really good? He wouldn't say Prazi Prazi, once he already learns out from the Zera Shava that we said yesterday, from the Psukim in, in Varin, um that um that you go from Yamos Yoshua binun from unwalled, Medina Medina Lamae, you already knew the rule from Prazi Prazi, so why do you need Medina Medina?" Ella, don't bother me with the Passock Medina Medinani every year. Krah with Russia, who to Asa is coming for a drusher. Rukh Rabbi Levi, who the Asa, Rabbi Yoshua Levi. Krah the Koh Medina Medina means there's a Medina, and then there's extensions of the Medina. The Kola, Nira, is Samachlo accounts as the Krach And the Reason of the Sistines. The Anira Imo, and whether it's physically, geographically nearby, or maybe it's geographically dif- distance, but it's visible, Neither to Krach. Has the story, has the law of the Krach and leaves on the 15th. Odd comma, now how distant can it be that it still is considered part of the Krach? So, um, so now this is going to give you a sense of how their scale is so totally different than ours. Like the distance from Champson to Tiberias, which is a meal. A meal is a kilometer. Okay, that's how far away it could be. It could be a whole kilometer away and still be considered part of the city. So, a meal, so just say a meal. He wants to tell you, give you the measurements that maybe you don't know exactly how far a meal is. Also maybe to give you that as a nice graphic example that you have these two, vi- you know, a village near a city and it's considered part of the city. Now, a, a kilometer is very small, but you also have the principle of nearer. Samuch is even if it's not visible we'll discuss how that can be but then you have near if it's visible from the city even if it's not samuch, it also is part of the city and that's significant this also is also very significant for nowadays reading in Yerushalayim how much when you, uh, you know, continue to sort of like filled up from the original of city you know is it continued to be the extension of the city does it have to be near it you know there are places obviously in Yerushalayim you can't see the old city and it's more than a meal away but it's all continuously built up right so these become very relevant discussions. I want to just say another point though about this issue about the authority of keeping um, of keeping Purim and so on. You notice that what the Gemara does almost naturally is, is that it uses the psukim in Megillah to do the normal type of drashot that it does. In the full way it would do with a, with a pasuk from the Torah. You know, medina, medina, the ear of the ear, every single word has to mean something, so if it doesn't mean this, so this proves my point, because obviously this extra word will tell you this halacha, no, wait, it's telling you the different halacha, so you don't need it for that halacha. Exactly the way it would do with a biblical pasuk. Imagine the Gemara doing this with any other sefer in nach other than the Megillah, right? The whole problem is how can we learn anything from Nach? Mm-hmm. Like, even if you make some type of a Gzei shavah and you want to, uh, you want to sort of, you know, you know, illuminate a biblical halacha, there's always this question, but how can we learn it from Nach? You're not about to learn anything from Nach. Here, right, everything is learned from these shot and we'd like to do a Gzei shavah from the Megillah to, you know, to Esther. I mean, they were sure was supposed to go back, you know, into the, you know, to Harsinai. Well, how does it go back to Harsinai if Esther was written like, a, you know, whatever it was, 1,500 years, I didn't have to do the math. But anyway, a good millennia or more afterwards, right? So it's being treated really with the same way it would treat a biblical verse. Now, obviously, it makes sense because it's learning that to tell you the weight of the mitzvah in the Megillah. It's not telling you to tell the weight of a mitzvah in the Torah, right? So we're learning these shows from these Drashot, we learn the, the, mitzvah, the mitzvot of the Migilah, not the mitzvot of the Torah. But nevertheless, you know, the way it sort of almost naturally makes this the same type of a weight as the biblical verses, makes the Zeus shovel with the biblical verses, has the same approach, really is showing, you know, sort of almost through this rabbinic lens, through the rabbinic mode of Drashah and these types of hermeneutics, right and Torah Shabalpeh you know giving it all of this type, type of halachic weight and making this really in, implicitly you know incorporated into the Sifre Tanakh in ways even weightier than other of the Sifre Tanakh are so again going back to that larger theme that I raised at the beginning yes so
1: well, it we changed the focus of the observation a little bit because it's not a strange thing you're talking about the
0: Mitzvah so right the
1: way that they did it was in the same way the model that they used the way when Torah does things and the strange thing is that any other Durabbana
0: just right. say, this is the rule. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right, so I agree. Meaning the way you're, you're allowed to do this because you're learning not a mitzvah of the Torah but a mitzvah of the miki but you you are ultimately angering it in the authority of the verses. Um, and that is, so you're, you know, you're, you're doing the same mode. And also we should note the the sort of, you know, the bizarre nature of a shavah from here to a pasuk in the Torah, right? So if you really mean a literal shavah as opposed to that's the pasuk just reveals to us Something, but the Gemara seem to treat it as a zerashava. Yes.
1: In determining uh, whether a city had a wall in the time of Yehoshua bin Nun, yes. Uh, how do we determine that?
0: Because archaeology. All right. So I won't go into that. Let Let's hold off on that question. Okay. okay. So okay. So uh, there you have um, there you have that answer. Okay. So and that obviously is a, as I said running throughout this is darshining the Sukim of the Migila. Um Okay. So uh, so now, the Amar Rebbe Yirmiya Vipema Rebbe Chiyabar Abba Now, Rebbe Yirmiya and some say Rebbe Chiyabar Abba said the following Now, um, ostensibly, the only reason we're bringing this in is because it's the same Manda Amar Right, because we had Rebbe Yirmiyah and some say in the name of Rebbe Chibar Abba meal. He was telling us the distance of a, of a meal in terms of nearby, a village near a city. Let's take a look though at this, especially now that I sort of heightened you, your awareness to this uh, theme that's going on here. So, also says Rebbe Yirmiyah and some say Rebbe Chibar Abba the following. Minatz Pach Amru so menatspach are the letters memnun, Pei and chaf that have a different letter sofit than the, when appears in the middle of the word okay and he is saying that that idea the rate to write those letters different in the middle of the word and the end of the word was said by the nevi'im sofim amrum obviously it's a play in the word menatspach has sofim in it you see the word Sadi Pei and Ma'am and Natsipas Sofim on room, but it means the neviim said it okay, we, uh, earlier we didn't have the idea of different letters in the middle at the end this came, this was taught, taught, taught us by the neviim. so Martha's Fetispera, does that make sense? that the neviim innovated this? The of the verse says, These are the mitzvot that God commanded, right? The HaR a prophet can't innovate some type of a mitzvah after the Torah has been given. So how can they innovate a new way of writing the letters? Now, of course, the answer is like, okay, that's not a mitzvah. I mean, you know, it's a way of writing letters. Like, like you know, l- l- let's get some, you know, let's get some perspective here. Now, you could say it affects, let's say, the cashtus of a safer Torah, right? You know, if you maybe you know, you know, maybe if you say that if, if it's not written, if the if the Sophia and the middle way of writing are, are reversed, maybe the safer Torah would be possible. So it impacts the mitzvah and the Torah, but the command doesn't even spell that out. You know, it just says you're not allowed to innovate. The Oath, and in addition, Hammer <laughs> Rabbi Chisda, Rabbi Chisda says, <laughs> The Mem and, and Samech in the Luchot were, you know, if the Luchos were carved all the way through, so the Mem and Samech existed through a miracle. How is that? Because if you have the Mem Sophit and the Samech yeah. Sophit, what's holding that middle? Section the whole of you know the, you know suspended. It has to be a miracle. So obviously you see that these letters existed as the way as the idea of the Sophie letters existed at the time of the of the Luchot. Now of course Rashi is supposed to say, well maybe what the Nabim innovated was a different way of writing them in the middle. Maybe they were always the Sophie version. But okay, anyway, that's the Gemara's question. So obviously it wasn't innovated. So Gemara says, in yes, Now, Nehavehav fine, they were always there. The the Yodhi, hide the emsateva hide the But they didn't know or maybe one could say they weren't, you know, they sort of weren't exact about what would occur in the middle of a word and which one would be used at the end of the word. They would use both and came along with the beam and they established no we're going to be systematic about it the open version of the letters in the middle and the closed version of the letters at the end now I meant to check this last night I did not get a chance but I believe that in sort of uh, uh, um, um, you know inscriptions um, ancient inscriptions you do find imprecision about that that sometimes you have a Sophie version occurring in the middle of, of the word that's correct right <laughs> do you ever have an open version occurring at the end you do sometimes I know a lot of things have a chaf at the end that's not a chaf sophie, right. So,
1: uh, de- the end versions seem mm-hmm. to have developed a little later,
0: right? So, but they ha- oh did they not? But we don't have ancient inscriptions with the end versions of letters. Well,
1: the most ancient inscriptions are in the Canaan. What we call the Canaanite script. Okay. Uh, the asur, We don't have anything before about. Right. uh,
0: (laughs) Okay. So anyway, so a lot of this actually does reflect the development of the of the Sophie letters and whether they do occur at the end of the word. I think sometimes a Mem Sophie occurs in the middle of a word. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. That's, that's maybe where I'm remembering it from. Okay, so all of this does reflect a, you know, actual reasonable uh, you know, interpretation of history. So the Gemara doesn't like it, though. The Gemara says, Sof, sof, uh, nevertheless, at the, end of the, at the end of the day, A Nabi cannot innovate. A Nabi can't innovate. So even to just establish systematically what's in the middle and what's at the end is not allowed. How could that be? Ela, shachachum v'chazul do Fine. Must be we always had it in a particular way, the middle of the middle, the end of the end. There was a period that it was forgotten. And the Nevi'im just reminded us of the way it always was. But ultimately, they're not innovating. They're just teaching us, reminding us of the way things have always worked. So now, I want to say two points. One should be pretty obvious. But the first point I'll just make is that the Yerushalmi has no problem with this. Not only has no problem with this, as Charlie already told us anyway, the current script that we have is not not the script that originally the uh, Sefer Torah things would have been written in this was a script that was, that was, that was taken from Assyria and is not ancient Hebrew script which is different uh, and actually the Roshalmi says not Mem Vestanach Shebeluchos B'neis Hayu Omdim but Ayin shabaluchos B'neis Hayu Omdim because in the ancient Hebrew script the Ayin like the I, is the circle so actually, it was the iron that stood yeah. the nate because the iron was the one that was circular and was with the nace. So not only does it not have a problem, but the question about the which is in the middle and which is at the end, but even a completely different script Yushami has no problem assuming that fact changed. Of course, now, the irony here should be obvious, right? We just got through all of this thing about the right about the mitzvah of Megillah, which is a complete chidush and, you know, introducing all these psukim, which ultimately, you know, get interpreted, whatever, and all this stuff comes quite late in the period of the Nabi'im, and here we refuse to say that even the nevi'im, which could be the early nevi'im, we refuse to say that they even innovated the question of exactly the order, you know, which letters appear, This is the, 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 you know, the, the the writing of the script, even if it didn't even seem, obviously, that it was r- related to a myth. Like As I said, you can make it related to torah but the Gemara doesn't even need that. Yeah, you're not allowed to innovate. Okay, we're not innovating. This is the way it always was. So, you know, in sort of juxtaposed to this, it's quite shocking, and partly I think what it's doing is ultimately, you know, trying to subtly reinforce this message that, you know, Esther isn't innovating. It's part of, you know, Tanakh, and it's learning out from Psukim and Tanakh, and we're darkening the Psukim. That's the normal thing that we do. Of course, the irony is that here you have Nevi'im as well, but, you know, somehow, and you don't darken other things from Tanakh, <laughs> so there's a problem. It's not enough that it's one of the Nevi'im, you know. It's and not enough that it's even one of the Sifrei Tanakh. The Gemau won't learn anything out from the other Sifrei Tanakh that's not Torah, from the same principle. So by sort of raising even this trivial thing that you can't be Mechad, I don't think there's an answer to it. I think what it does is it somehow subtly reinforces the message well, everything we're doing by Esther isn't Hiddish. Like, you know, that's all, that's all completely normal, that we're darshaning, sukim and so on. But I think that that's, like I said, the underlying issue that's being grappled with here is where is this authority coming from? Yes. two
1: so points. One is what, what, what's ironic is um, it's the hermeneutic itself which is the juxtaposition, and it's somewhat resolved by saying, oh, no, no, it's a, it's a, it's a hermeneutic, as it were we learned it out, right? but it's, the, it's the darshani of those two Yeah. It's the innovation. Itself. Right. The second thing is, I think what the, the thing about the letters and their shapes is closer to what you were saying. The implicit, uh, the, the assumption here is that mitzvot comes from the language. Mitzvah come from letters. They come from words. Yeah, but
0: the shape of the letters. Anything, in other
1: words, anything. Other it's words
0: very mean. rare to find chazal. I mean, that's you know, or even Akiva. an extreme of Rabbi Akiva, the Kutso Shoyud. But Akiva. you know, but it could
1: maybe, maybe.
0: But again, but again, I think that you know that is. I don't think that that's a shot of the text the Gemara isn't saying like oh and this would be a chidestover because it would affect how we would darshan something or this would be a chidestover because it would affect Ksiva Sefer Torah I don't think like it's a chidestover right you're innovating doesn't matter no innovations are allowed right I mean that seems to be the sense of the text it's making an extreme statement that you can't innovate even in this, this area and then juxtapose to all of the reality of the megillah. yes
1: Is you with unified view of the text or this is this a competing view? You just have all
0: these things that right. are very innovative. Right. And now you have a, a voice that comes <laughs> and says you're not allowed to innovate at all. Right. You know, I don't know. I see it as, I mean, you know, it could be... Well, first of all, let's point out this. The, the, the vo- voice that says you can't innovate at all is the stem of the Gemara. Right? Because the original statement of Rabbi or Rabbi Heber Abba said they did innovate it. So, Fimam It's the stem of the Gemara that insists you can't be innovating. So it's hard to assume, you know, it's not like sometimes say, you say we stick together different main roads and they have different views. Here, this memoir is totally happy with innovation. It's the stom that's insisting you can, and it's the same stomp that's sort of, you know, the, 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 the anonymous voice that was, uh, you know, sort of throughout the previous text. So I see it as a, you know, as, as, as consistent or trying to, intentionally trying to create that, you know, contrast. So or, it's right. like coming to Grace, not
1: the great season, but to marry
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Exactly. So I, I do think that that through the insistence here it's ultimately strengthening the power of the Megillah rather than questioning it. You know, well you can't be mechadish anything. You know, also oh, everything we were doing by there wasn't a Kiddish, you know. <laughs> that's the way I'm reading it. Um, okay, bar Abba and Rabbi said, Targum Shotara, Uncle is Hager Amaro and this is also interesting in terms of the right text. An interpretation. So the, so the, the, the targum that we have, cause they would read the Torah with a targum, you know, so with a, with a standard trans, Aramaic translation, that was said by Unclus the Haggai. P, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yoshua, from the mouth of, meaning based on the training that he received from Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua, who are also the um, Rebbe, you know the rabbis, uh, the teachers of Rabbi Akifa. Um, so it's a you know it's yes, so it's a the traditional sort of rabbinic interpretation. Ultimately, it's coming through the eyes of the rabbis. Targum is minute, Targum im, the Targum that we have on the prophets. You know, Yonasan ben Amaro, by Yonatan Ben Uziel who was a Talmud of, of Hillel considered to be the greatest Talmud of Hillel the Gemara tells a story in the Sukkah you might remember that when he would learn Torah and birds would fly over him they would be consumed by fire because the heavenly angels would be surrounding him when he was learning Torah mm-hmm. so that comes from Yonatan Ben Uziel BP Hagai Zechariah Malachi which he received from Hagai Zechariah Malachi now, already, that's fascinating, right? Because this is a question about, is it coming from the Nevi'im, or is it coming from the rabbis, right? So, the Torah, which we've just said a minute ago, is ultimately the, the entire authority of halacha. Nothing, nothing gets inobated from the, from, from the, from the Nevi'im. The Torah is, you know, all halacha comes from the Torah. So that interpretation, ultimately interpretation, is what is it going to mean? You know, is through the rabbinic tradition. Whereas the Nevi'im, okay, it's nach, who learns nach? The Nevi'im, which is not about halacha, you know, that can ultimately also come from the the prophetic tradition. Because, okay, that's just prophecy, it's not about halacha. That's ultimately interpreted through the rabbis. So first of all, I think that, that just that statement right there is so critical in terms of, the cont- of of exactly what we were setting up before. You know, nothing is innovated after the Torah, and the meaning of the Torah is through the sort of rabbinic interpretation. Um, okay. And when he gave over this translation, the land of Israel you know, trembled the 400 parsangs by 400 parsangs, which is presumably the size of the land of Israel. Yeah, you know, he he shook the world with his translation. (laughs) Yostabasko, the Amr, a heavenly voice came out and said, Mi uzhe shigila sitrai livene adam? Who is it that revealed my secrets to human beings? You told them what the true meaning of these prophecies were. I am the one that revealed your your hidden secrets to human beings. be known It's well known to you. I didn't do it for my honor, my, the house of my, of my of my of my father's house. I did it for your sake. Machlokis be Israel, that there should not be, you know, debate sites in Israel. And that's interesting. Like what's the machlokes? is about like just in the intellectual sphere, right? About what does the psukim mean? Now the idea of like riboy machlokis is an idea that we have also, you know, by uh Baal Peh You know, that they sort of you know that after the uh, you know, once it was Nisrabu Tamire Besila Beshama Sheloshimfish, Rabban you know, then it was riboy Machlokes be Israel. Once there was all these questions about the ultimate tradition and they had these different schools and then how do you interpret it and so on so here you know it's talking about that riboy machlokes which to us suggests like machlokes suggests like Talmudic debates and halachic debates and it's interesting here you know sort of drawing on that in this this context interpretation
1: doesn't dissolve machlokes it supports Machloket. <laughs> Only transmission yeah. resolves Machloket.
0: Well, interpretation at least limits certain other types of interpretation. But it may... opened
1: the door to the possibility that there could be an alternative voice. Once, right.
0: Once hermeneutic is <laughs> authoritative, yeah, you're open to <laughs> targum to Machloket. Right. I hear. It. Okay. The ode b'kei targum and he even wanted to reveal. Um, you know, now, now by the way, notice the idea of legalot, right? Because you know it's not again being like innovative. He's revealing the true meaning, so he wanted to reveal the targum of the ktuvim. Yatzda baskov amelo dayecha. No, enough. Matt you can't. My timer. Why do you sort of have to draw the line at the Ketuvim? Mashiach, because in the Psukim you have, you know, in the in the Ketuvim you have uh, hints to the ultimate uh, end of days. If you look at he says for Daniel, right? That's why people love, you know, the whole book of Daniel because of his eschatological visions and trying to determine, you know, those those very mysterious verses. About, what, about taka, taka, whatever. Anyway, so, you know, try to unpack those to figure out when ultimate imashiyak will be. So that we can't do. It's gotta draw a line. Now, I should say about the Yona sun, that, um, what we have in printed in in our you know uh, Mikros Dolos, you'll see something called Targum Jonathan Um All the scholars call that pseudo Jonathan, not Yonatan, because that's a Targum that is on the Torah. And according to at least the Gemara, although it might not say it explicitly, but it makes it pretty much sound that Yonatan only wrote a Targum on Neviim, not on not on Torah. Um, and actually, um, that is um, more called you know accurately called Targum Yerushalmi. Some actually suspect that the reason it got named Targum Yonatan was because it was abbreviated Tuf Yud and oh, people wow. thought well the Mark speaks about a Targum Yonatan it's Targum Yonatan but it's actually Targum Yerushalmi. it comes from the Eretz Israel most of it is in, ba- in, in Palestinian Aramaic although there are certain strands of Babylonian Aramaic in it um, but that is considered to be relatively late again there's some debate but generally it's assumed to be around 8th century what we call Targum Yonatan is called more accurately Targum Yerushalmi. one of the reasons is because he um, in the Targum Yonatan quote unquote pseudo Jonathan um, it identifies um, one of Ishmael's wives with the name of one of Mohammed's wives so uh, <laughs> um, um, and it's a name that is very late. that doesn't it's not an it's, sort of, it's not an old Arabic name anyway so we don't actually have a Targum Yonasan what the Gemara is referring to what we have that we call Targum Yonasan is not what the Gemara is referring to yes
1: back to he's following Rabbi Yosher and Rabbi Osha. they were arguing all the time That.
0: Yeah, what can I tell you? Okay. Um, <laughs> the Targum Torah. actually there's an interesting thing. Nahum Sanal shalom. there was a time in my life when I was uh, in the process of getting a a, a a PhD, which never actually completed. But anyway, he was pushing me to, tr- to write at my dissertation on, um, on uh, Unkelveths. And basically wow. identify every place where Unkelis, you know, in, mm-hmm. diverges from the P'sakim of Rabbi, Rabbi Yehoshu and Rabbi Eliezer oh, wow. which you would like to. Say. Apparently, <laughs> it <laughs> <hasn't>, <laughs> it, apparently it hasn't you been done. You do it. <laughs> yeah, I should. All right. So the Gemara says like this: V'targum um, Shel Torah Unkelis ha'ger Amarah. Was it really said by Unkelis? V'hamar Rabbi Ikabar bar Avi Avin Amar Rabbi Chanan. Lama Rav. May I What's meant by the pasuk? By Ikarub a sefer Torah te'lokim They read. This is in the time of Ezra, right? They gathered all the people and they read from the Sefer Torah. They read from the Book of God, explicit veshum I think it is veshom seichel And they and they you know gave uh, their 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 their, their, their um, intention or you know the, the, their intellect and they understood in the verses. Okay, so what does that mean? sefer Torah They read the verses miforash explicit the targum which explicates which is. Mefarech, which translates the, the some seichel elu Sukim. So, in order to truly understand it, this is the division of the verses. Where does one verse end and the next verse begin? Ba Mikra, and they truly understood the verses elu That's also like you know the truck as we would say, which also gives you the you know the the the, 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 the punctuation um, in the middle of the verse. Okay, the so, amilei, and some say elu soret this is the Mitzora, which is, you know, the exact sort of accounting of the letters and, um, you know, and, and like which words are male and chaser and so on. So again, you see that all of that was number one, similar to some of the statements before, like at least, you know, attributed way back. And certainly the Targum is attributed way back. So how could you say Unkelis said it? So once more, we have the answer, Shachachum v'chazru v'yasdum. Fine, Unkelis didn't innovate it. It was forgotten and he reestablished established it. Um, so now we have that the interpretation of the Torah, right? And this is sort of goes back to many other that you might know. You know, anything you know, whatever eventually is going to be said by any talmud was already said at Har Sinai. So, on one hand, you know, Torah Shabbat whole process of interpretation and innovation, and at the other hand, it's always being said that it's all ultimately going back to what was said at Har Sinai, and therefore it's not really innovating anything. So, here you have, right, at the same idea, the rabbis you know, Uncle Segera, Talmud of Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua gives the authoritative interpretation of the Torah, so it's the Torah through the rabbinic lens is its binding and significant meaning, as opposed, you know, again, as opposed to Tanakh, which could be through the prophetic sort of tradition, because in the end it's just Nach. Okay, but this is sort of the binding meaning is through the rabbinic tradition, and this is ultimately, even though it's that way, ultimately it's just getting us back to what it always meant. It's not really innovating anything. Okay, so part of what sort of, you know, un- gives strength to the whole rabbinic tradition is the assertion that ultimately it's just getting us back to what always was the case and what it always meant. Um, an interesting side point by the Passock by Yikarub, if you look at Rashi, near the Gil and Harsha where right, he says Ezra but if you look at the Torah or you see it's a Pasuk in Nehemiah and the answer is anybody know the answer? as in, as in Nehemiah was one book was well, the Christians I mean, that divided it into two books but in the uh, sort of you know in, in the rabbinic tradition it was all the book of Ezra okay so um, let's do a little bit more here in the Gemara okay so the Gemara goes like this um, okay, the Why did the world not tremble when it interpreted the biblical verses when into the, the, the translation was given? But it trembled when the translation was given on the you know on the prophetic um, uh, books. By the way, there's a later you know we'll be dealing later in the Mitzahet with the whole idea of the translation of the Torah into Greek. Okay, so it's worth keeping this in mind. So the Torah says, No, you know, the psukim in the Torah are, are more explicit, so it's not completely revealing something that was, that was you know, that was uh, cryptic beforehand. In the, in the prophets, some things are quite clear, some things are quite sealed, are quite unclear, cryptic, and therefore it was a true, like, you know, uh, revealing of the secrets, things that were very unclear Beforehand, so deceive, and I'll give you an example. On that day, the uh, you know the, uh, the, the 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 wailing will, uh, will 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 increase in Jerusalem. You know, like the like the uh, eulogy or like the wailing at the time of Hadar Dimon in the valley of Megiddon. Now that's a problem because there was never a mispade, a eulogy for Hadar Dimon in the valley of Megiddon. So, Amar of Yosef and Seder of Yosef. Or not that we know are from other verses. Il Targuma, the high crop it wasn't for the targum of this verse. Lo Yadina I wouldn't know what it means. But here is the targum. Hu On that day, the eulogizing, the wailing, will increase in Jerusalem. To the the Ben like the wail, like the Mispayed, the wailing of Achav Ba'imi, who was slaughtered by, who was killed by Hadar Dimon Ben Tavrimon. the are that wasn't the Vigat Migidon, that was in Ramot Gilad. And Uh Misteda the Yoshio Baramon and the Misfeda of Yoshio, the complex say Paro Chagira, that targon, Paro Necho killed him, the Vigat Migido in the Valley of Mikido. So the Targum makes it clear to us that they were talking about two eulogies, not one, and therefore in Harderimon never happened in Vigat Migidon. It's like and in Vigat Migidon. Now again, to sort of give us an example of a cryptic, you know, prophetic verse that's interpreted by the Targum, uh, this is one there was a little bit of a problem, you know? It's not something that would have been outside of our ability to maybe have even sort of come up with ourselves. You know, there's plenty of these prophecies that you don't know what the heck they're talking about. So uh, I don't know. I really can't explain why the Gemara gives this as an example of to, to, to sort of illustrate how much more, you know, uh, innovative, well not innovative, right, but how much more revealing the the Targum of the Nevi'im was over the Targum of the Torah. Um, You know, again, unless the point is the opposite, sort of what we were saying before. If this is considered to be a revealing of something that was cryptic, then anything that's done in terms of interpreting the Torah is implicitly more obvious than this. So therefore... Any rabbinic interpretation of the Torah, any targum of the Torah, is not really, it, you know, it's it's less of a chiddush than this interpretation, which again reinforces the strength of the rabbinic interpretation, right? So, for example, if you look at Uncleless, our targum unkulis, is it exactly the targum Uncleless. The Gemara had it some debate, but you know, you look at our targum Uncleless on g'di fimo, Targum translated as literally in the targum, you have Lo Bas basr b'chalba. So don't eat b'asher b'chalba. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's the translation. Uri Uiglis is pretty literal, yeah. okay. But that's the translation of Lo Tovachel Kedibah Chalevimo. So again, the only thing I can ex- understand here is that by giving this as showing you how you know uh, revelatory the, the the interpretation of Naveen is, it's underscoring how pshat the interpretation of the Torah is, you know. And again, that's like the rabbinic interpretation. Okay, so now the says like this: Ra'iti um, ani. So, um, so this is going to give us another statement of Rabbi Yermiah that seems like off the topic, although it's somewhat connected. But anyway, it's another statement of Rabbi Yermiah, Abba. I, Daniel myself, saw the vision. And the people with me did not see. Eshamarez, a vision. But a great trembling fell upon them. And they ran away in, in, in hiding. So Mani anashim, who were these people that were with Daniel that were, did not see the vision that Daniel saw. am This is Khagai Malachi, some of the great Nevi'im of that time. So says, Inu They were greater than, than him in some ways, but he was greater than them. Inu they were greater than he. Inu Navi, the lo Navi. They were Nevi'im and he was not a Nevi Now, Daniel had all these visions. What do you exactly mean he wasn't a Nevi So Rashi says, the Inu Nevi Rashi says here I don't know like 20 lines down in the narrow lines and that is a very important in terms of the rabbinic idea of what the whole point of prophecy is prophecy isn't just for your own personal ability to have a vision of God prophecy is right? will be your will be your communicator is the speech of the lips Right, a Navi is one who brings God's message to the people, not one who has a divine vision. Okay, so they were Navi'im, and he was not a Navi, so in one way, you know, their status, right, is, I mean, Daniel is a safer Tanakh, but nobody calls Daniel a Navi. Okay, so they were Nevi'im and he is not Navi, so they are greater than he. But um, But he was greater than them. The He was maybe able to have visions that they couldn't have. Exactly the difference. He had certain type of, you know, mystical visions that they did not have, but that wasn't their role. Their role was to be Nevi'im was to bring God's message to the people. Okay, the de if they didn't if they didn't see my time Ivisu, so how come they got scared? So Avagad even though they didn't seem layu chazu, they're Mazulsa. You know, sometimes you sense something is even if you can't really see it. Sort of like Dylan's donkey that knew the angel was there. Amaravina, Shmami Nah, we see from this, Hayman de Nivas. If all of a sudden you get you you know, you, you start trembling and you get you get this, you know, fear that comes over you, you feel you feel afraid and you don't know what it's about. Even though you're not seeing something, your mazal is, is sensing something. There's some spiritual force out there that might do you damage. So there's probably some type of a shade or something of that nature. So, my what do you do? Liquid kriyashima, say kriyashima, that'll protect you. And if you're in a place of filth, like you're in a you know, bathroom or in a, just an alleyway that's got excrement or whatever, and you can't say kriyashima, Linch miduchte arba jump from your place four amos, and then you'll be out of the out of the uh, you know you you, you maybe t- walked into the uh, to the hiding place of this shade or something. So you jump four amos out, and then maybe by jumping, you know he won't follow you. You'll get out of that zone. Below, um, and if not, you can't do that. mahachi, say this: the uh, goats of the are fatter than me. So what do you want with me? Go get some of the goats of the." <laughs> I don't know what they're doing anyway um, okay so um, um, so now we, so anyway but again a lot of these things again about the weight and the power of the Nizim in contrast to the Torah but again the Torah through the rabbinic lens and I think in a way um, you know really somehow by making these extreme statements about it's not innovative and we're not innovating and in Nizim the don't innovate it in generally reinforces general rabbinic interpretation of the Torah but also the fact that megillah is therefore not really an innovation and it's all completely treated the same way as we were the psukim and the Torah okay let's uh, I, I know I have to leave a little early but let's at least turn the page okay so the Martha says like this see I come back and all of a sudden we're behind again so the mark says like this now that we're darshaning those psukim right to tell you you know cities nearby and other types of halachas so I mean villages near cities, lemai also. What's Mishpacha coming to tell you? To tell you all families have to do it. Even the families of Kohen and Levi, they leave the Avodah and the Beit HaMikdash and they come to listen to the Migilah. So now, you know, under, we, again, following the idea that we've been treating the migilah, you know, as biblical verses and interpreting them to understand you know, the nature of the mitzvah, here we're treating the mitzvah of Migilah as greater weight than doing the Avodah and the Beit HaMikdash. Okay? So similar, we're just giving you so much weight. Um, and I mean Toshos even asks why do you have to be mevatil anything go listen to Magillan and go do your avoda. what's the big problem so you know the fact is that it's not really such a relevant halacha I mean if you look at Tosfos, the end of the like four lines down in the I mean the end of the last wide line of four lines from the top of the page it says you know go ahead do the avoda, bring the Talmud, so you maybe missed the uh, reading first thing in the morning, but you bring the Talmud, and then you have your own little private minion. All right, but you want to do it with everybody else, because the bigger piercement. of you want to get the chakras, so therefore you have to postpone the Talmud in order to get the Megillah the morning. Now again, when this is normally read, it's interpreted, you know, about the weight of this idea of pirsum hanes, which is how the is going to sort of, as a theme the is going to bring in later. But at this stage, it hasn't introduced the idea of pirsum hanes. It's really not clear at all when you would really have this type of a conflict. And again, I think that it's, you know, really, the first point is reinforcing this issue about Giving this, this tremendous weight to the mitzvah of Mikilah. Uh, we've already given the weight to the verses of the Mikilah and their sort of, you know, and their weight, um, yeah, and treating them like biblical verses, and now we're giving weight to the mitzvah of Mikilah. Um, yes? And to add on to this, yeah.
1: isn't there a here the, the the, holiday the system, Right. Right, and the abadah being
0: the hmm. things you can accomplish. Interesting. Really when this is, like, Interesting. Interesting. So uh, that—that's a very good point. That a holiday of galut without avodah outweighs, and that gets to the question of sort of of. Torah and the rabbinic enterprise were sort of, you know, com- you know, replacing the centrality of the Korbanot. No, very interesting. Right, right, right. No, no, no. We're actually, well, that's going to continue in a minute, because the G'mers is going to deal with, to- with Torah versus Korbanot. So it's a uh, very good point. Okay, so G'mers says like this. Um, okay. The Amarav Yeramarav, Konim babodassam, believing the Dukhanah, Yisrael, the Ma'amadam, the Koranim could be doing the Levim, on the Dukhan and doing the Shirah, and the Yisrael in the Ma'amad, which we just learned what that was in Miggilah, standing by the Korbanot, or in the various Cities. They all leave their abodah and come to hear the Megillah. i very much like the point that David makes. Because you could also imagine that once there is a Beit Hamikdash and the time of the second Beit Hamikdash, you know that the Purim would be very downplayed. You know, it's a Gola's holiday, whatever. It's because they were in trouble because they were in Gola's. Like it's no longer relevant to us. So it's very, it's an excellent point. This is the support of the house of Rebbe. Tamutara, Torah. In his time, there's no longer Beit Hamikdash. Well, was based the Beit Hamikdash with Talmud Torah, and he said that you would stop your Torah study, like you know, in order to come and hear the Migila. Avoda, and it's a Kalb from Avoda. Um, now this is interesting because this is the question of which is higher in the hierarchy. If you if you stop your the avodah in the base on mikdash for megillah local okay how much more so would you stop tamutara which is fascinating because it's putting Torah at a lower level yeah. than the avodah the Gemara is not going to let that to st- 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 stay there <laughs> um, says, is avodah really weightier than tamutara. Actually, the verse says when Yosher was in Jericho there's a person standing opposite him and, right, and he bowed down and he said are you, are you one of our enemies and he said I'm an angel of God so the first says, How did he bow down on the ground? Oh no, it's not us going to bow down. You know, going back to the whole shading problem. You can't so, w- greet somebody at night. Tosa sort of says, we don't mean in the city. We mean out in the fields. You know, because we should be afraid that you can't see the person and maybe they're just a shade dressing up as a human so the Gemara says no Shani Damar Damar Lake and he starts, starts for Hashem no because he identified himself as an angel of God so everybody says the Meshakri maybe he was lying Gemiri uh-huh. no we know Shady won't say God's name so obviously he wouldn't, he wouldn't have been lying although he said that after Joshua greeted him didn't he Anyways, yeah. all right. anyway alright anyway Amrlo that's not relevant to our point Amarlo. so the angel said to him um, and there's a whole discussion in Tosos how the Gemara sort of you know is able to bring in the, you know, insert this story where it gets the hints from the verses, but we won't worry about that. Amalo, the angel said to him, Last night, now it's night time, right before nightfall, you were too busy with your setting up, you know, your, you know, the siege that you didn't bring the, uh, the afternoon tummit to Ashav, and now it's night and now you could, what are you doing, there's no war, you're not fighting war at night, so you could be learning Torah, you're not doing Torah, you know, you're, you're letting the war, uh, you know, override all these other things, so you're not learning Torah right now. Amr Loh, so Yoshua said to him, which one motivated you to come, which one was more serious, Amr Loh, he said to him, Atabasi. now I've come, oh, with a little Torah, that's what caused me to come and give you this musa so Miyad immediately by Yalan slept that night in the valley. <laughs> so he, he 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 slept in the depths of Halacha, meaning that he, you know, started really learning Halacha. Notice how Torah is identified as Halacha. So he he got the message. Now by the way, the you know, there's a problem that that pasuk is not said by Yericho, it's said by I. So anyway there's a very interesting tosos if you look at the bottom of gimel amrad we tosos says baylan yoshua balaylo betocha emek lok siv bi high croking elkesh tsar yu bi hoksi baylan am ok kesh tsar al iksiv bayelach yoshua balaylo betocha emek so one has emek and one has baylan but der khashashu arbam yachad Sometimes you we know, just, you know, splits verses and combines verses and it's not being, it's not a direct quote. It's quote quoting two playing Splice. together, splices. Right. right. Anyway, so you see that Talmud Torah was more important than Korbanot. So, And from this we learn a principle that Talmud Torah is weightier even than the daily sacrifices. Now I've come. So, ah, oh, you see. So, the commercial, how could Rebbe make a Ka'bah Chomet to be Mazatel Tamatora? to Ha'bah have the Yachid. It's a difference whether it is a Tamatora of Rabin or a Torah of the Yachid. Tamatora of the Rabin, like Yoshua, that's weightier than Korbanot. Tamatora of an individual, that's less weighty so which raises the question when you, when Rebbe says you're mevatling Talmud Torah from Mikra are you even mevatling Talmud Torah to Rabin right because now we now we haven't said yes or no but we said Talmud Torah to is weightier than Korbanot the Kabbalah really only applies by Talmud Torah to Yachid we have one more thing I can't stop myself so the Gemara says um, so the Yachid Kal is the Talmud Torah of an individual less weighty doesn't even want to concede that point if you have a uh, funeral on Cholam the women who would be the wailers could be ma'anot but they could not like beat on the breast the ma'anot would be like saying uh, you know eulogizing or you know wailing and having everybody wail with them but they couldn't do the beating on the breast if they were right near the uh, the coffin, they could even do the uh, the, the, the you know, the beating. Uh, or, or the clapping, whatever they would do. now which are less weighty than Holomoids, Ma mitapchot They can do both the manot and the metaphot, the wailing and the beating on the breath. Um notes They can't do the um, kina, the uh, what's the word for kina?
1: The um lamentations
0: dirges. dirges which apparently was they would say something and then everybody would respond back and that would be seen as even a bigger you know public type of, a, of, of an event or greater way you know greater mourning but, but if it's the death of a Tamil and it's choam isn't relevant you do the full full you know eulogizing and wailing how much more so than for so you see that you not that, uh, that that the death of a Talmud chacham would you know would override those concerns. So you see the the uh, one individual Talmud chacham and the uh, the weight of Hanukkah and Purin gives way to you know to the to, to, to even one Talmud chacham. So this isn't that the Talmud torah of the yachid is weightier than the Abodah, but the Talmud torah of the yachid should be at least weightier than mikra megillah. Because here, the here the, the eulogizing of an individual Tamil chacham is weightier than Hanukkah. So the Lord says. That's honoring the Torah Not the act of learning the Torah That's showing the honor that's due to the Torah Yes, giving the honor to the Torah That is weightier And that would override the, you know, the, the aspects of Hanukkah and Purim And that would override if you had to go to a funeral You know, you had to show kavod To a, to, to, to a Talmud Chachem who died That would take precedence over Mikra Megila, That's true Talmud Torah to but the act of learning Torah that can give way to the act of reading the Megillah. So now we have learned that the Avodah gives way to the Megillah, where there would be a conflict is hard to understand. But Torah gives way. You don't say, yeah, it's such a you know, such a big you know, ugh, so much so much difficult Torah goes on there. You know, when you try to go to the shul on Purim, there's all this uh, whatever. I'm just going to stay at home. I'm just going to learn. No, Talmud Torah gives way to Mikra Megillah. Okay, the one thing that we haven't sort of made clear is is Talmud Torah to him give way because that we said is even higher on the hierarchy, okay, to be continued.